What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back for episode 45. 45, right? We have 40, 45. It's 45 today. We're going to make it 45. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad that you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. You guys know what you got to do. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Do all that good stuff. Hit the notification button, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all over. Mr. Fourth and Long on all the platforms. Hit the thing, man, because you never want to miss any of what I have to say anyway. Because I say some good stuff sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Either way, you need to be there to find out what I'm actually saying because I think it might be good. Um, but you all know how I like to get down. I like to give my motivation to begin with, because let's be honest, a lot of you won't be here at the end. I'm just not for everybody. But before you go, find three episodes when you see this, 45 of them would be out. Give me about 15 minutes for three episodes. If you do not like what you saw and heard in those three episodes for 15 minutes apiece, at least find three more. And if those don't get it to you, find three more. What I'm saying is, is don't stop until you get enough. I think it's a Michael Jackson song, right? Don't stop. Just keep, 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 keep it on. Uh, all right, man, let me get to this, man. And uh, we got something special for you today. But here's what I got for you guys today. I know the, the, the situation looks different. We're somewhere different because I, 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 I got a couple friends and I call people and they actually answer and respond to when I ask them for favors. And so, yeah. But here's what I got for you guys today. Sometimes it takes an overwhelming breakdown to have an undeniable breakthrough. Sometimes it takes an overwhelming breakdown to have an undeniable breakthrough. A lot of times in life, we're looking for the easy road. I get it. Nobody wants to travel the tough road. Nobody wants to climb the mountain. Nobody wants to have the detour. But sometimes, in order for us to really get the things that we have to get, we gotta go through a little junk, a little stuff builds character. It shows you who you really are. It shows you who your friends are. It, it, it builds uh, uh, undeniable fortitude. So understand that even though you may be going through something, as long as you have air in your lungs, you have the ability to do something undeniable. And if everybody, we've all heard it, your mom said it, grandma said it, auntie, uncle said it, if everybody could do it, it would be done. But everybody's not built to do it. Everybody's not built to get up off the mat. Everybody's not built to go over the hurdles. Everybody's not built to actually look death in the face and say, I'm going to live one more day. So I'm just here to tell you guys, man, the breakthrough, the breakdown that you may be going through, it's setting you up for something that you can't even explain. I'm a living, breathing testimony of that. I think my guests will say the same. But you got to be willing to say, after this breakdown, we're going to get a breakthrough. All right? Y'all know how we do, man. All right, let's get into the show, man. Uh, I, am, I am honored. I am privileged. I am blessed. I am. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool uh, to sit here with a friend, um, a brother, and to be able to share these moments. Uh, for those of you who do not know or do not know this handsome face uh, right here who's aging like 2% white milk, um, 
This is my brother. Is that bad? Is that bad? 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, turn into chunks. Yeah, like, you know what I say? Like, black don't crack. Yeah. And, like, sometimes white people age like 2% milk. That's why we whole start milk. Botox early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I bring you, I bring you Allen's all star. I bring you the all time leading receiver who never played a game at Abilene Christian. Close. That's, well, I, I say the um, greatest receiver in the, the history greatest. of Abilene Christian University to never record an official statistic. There you go. Host of the Speak Easy on iHeartRadio 97, on 97.1 The Freak. My co-host, my brother on Believe in the Cowboys, the great, the incomparable. Jeffrey Cavanaugh. What up, brother? Yeah, I didn't know what we were doing. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. You just were like, hey, hop on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I'll see you. And then you started with your message. And I was like, man, I thought maybe we could just talk Cowboys. And then you started with the breakdown and the breakthrough. And I was like, oh, that's very personal to me. Um, okay, so are we, what what are we going to do? Well, well, you know what? So, all right, so good. I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad that we went there because we share – we're going to talk Cowboys. We're going to talk yeah. Cowboys. We're going to talk um, scouting. We're going to talk draft stuff. We're going to talk all the things that you like. But since you brought it up, I was going to kind of wait to like maybe the middle or end. But we'll get right to it at the beginning. One of the things that you and I share in common is is mental health, right? We are both huge advocates of mental health. We've both been through some uh, traumatic breakdowns um, in life and have overcome them. Uh, and and that's that's something to be praised. That's something to be praised and 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 and. If you want, just share uh, some of the people with some of the people, just some of the things that life has just thrown at you, man, that you've been able to say, you know what? Living one more day just sounds like a better deal. Um, so do we what do we do with cuss? Do we cuss? Yeah, yeah we can do whatever okay. we want. Um, OK, um, I don't know if I want to or need to or if I'm about to, but just in case. Yeah, we're good. Uh, I, I feel like the way that you started the show was very uh, unplanned, and I had no idea how he was going to start the show, but as soon as you said it, I was like, damn, that's powerful and incredibly relatable, because it was just, it kind of spoke to one of the things. My thing is on this show is kind of like, come for the words, stay for the sports. Okay. So okay. They, this is the word part they'll get. Uh, yeah, because I think that that is like truer words <laughs> have never been spoken. If it was like, hey, pick from these 100 things that we could say that are very personal and potentially super meaningful to people, a breakdown kind of being a requirement, I guess, for a breakthrough is very, very, very real because – yeah, I'm a mental health person. It's like that. Even when you say mental health, it encompasses like six million things, right? Like, and everybody's is different. We could be talking about childhood trauma. We could be talking about genetics. We could be talking about um, I don't care. Uh, and so, like, I've got anxiety, depression, ADHD. Bang, bang, bang. Throw them together. It's a lot of fun. It's tons of fun because what it does is, well, you can just do all the math, right? ADHD. <laughs> it's like your brain wants to do twelve thousand things at once. Anxiety means that you're going to find the thing that you could like fear the most, and then depression means it's going to bring you to the worst possible outcome. And it's like, boom! Uh, so that's a lot of fun. But uh, I have found that the times in my life where whatever is inside and that you have tried to hide from and live whatever way you do that is comfortable and like just exist and play whatever role you're trying to play and just try to get by. For me, eventually, that's hit a spot multiple times where it has led to a breakdown, which is lots of tears or a panic attack or whatever. But those have tended to be the things that would lead me to something very meaningful. Like the first one led me to talk therapy for the first time. Yeah. 
or no, I guess the first one led me to the doctor. And that was diagnosis, which was, oh, you know, this runs in your family. And I was like, no, actually, I didn't. Um, <laughs> and so that was discovering depression and anxiety and medicine, which um, some people are for, some people have a stigma against or preference not to or whatever. And I don't judge or shame anybody for literally anything you do. If medicine makes you feel better in any way, shape or form, good for you. Uh, if you choose not to and you've got other ways you can get to it, good for you. I love you all. Um, and so, yeah, like a breakdown is what led to me realizing what goes on in my brain and my body and all the things. And then another breakdown led me to therapy and therapy led me to being in them multiple, multiple breakdowns, mm -hmm. which are just realizing things about yourself or memories or whatever it is that you have that are obstacles, which then leads to massive breakthroughs, which change your life or save your life. Absolutely. Can I, can I be, this is unfiltered with Jesse Holly. And as long as you've known me and I've known you, I, I've been, I've been an honest person. I've been a, a real person. And I can, I can say today, and I don't know what this is, this is taking a weird turn, but I love it. Uh, I can say today, I love you. And the reason I can say that today that I love you because it didn't start that way. And you probably didn't know this. And this is probably, probably the first time you're probably going to hear this. But when you and I met many, 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 many years ago, I was like, do I like him? Well, I'm socially awkward and I have resting bitch face. But it wasn't the socially awkward thing. To me, the thing that kind of I was like, he's not being authentically himself. That's what I thought early on. I was like, depending on what year you met me, it's probably true. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I want to say it is true. Yeah. I, I, I want to say it is true. And then I, over the years, I've seen you, I, I, I've witnessed you grow and grow and, and become more comfortable with being Jeff Cavanaugh. With not saying, well, I have to be this for them or I have to be this for that show or I have to be this in this group of people. It was like, you know what? Screw all that. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is the way God made me. This is my good, the bad, the ugly about me. And boom. And I think when you began to live that life, and maybe there was some breakdowns that came for some breakthroughs, I was like, I love that dude. I was like, I love that dude. Because we sometimes, as people who live our lives in the media, whether it be radio or, you know, my past was, you know, NFL, we feel as if at times we have to put on this facade, all right? And we have to put on this mask in front of people. And it's like, well, this is what they expect me to be, right? This is what, this is what I, I should always be happy. And I should always have, I, everything should be great in my life. And, and because I'm, I'm a public figure and they listen to me on the radio and they see me on YouTube, that I always have to be this go-getter. And that's not reality, right? That's not reality. And I think more people respect you now and love you more now because they're like, wow, he's just like me. I suffer from Listed. Yeah, fill right? in the blank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I deal with, I am not perfect. I, you know, the, the same fears that he talks about having, I talk about having. Those same nightmares that he talked about he's had, 
I currently have. And I think that's so powerful because people are sometimes looking for comrades, are looking for allies, right? They're saying like, man, I'm feeling these things, but it doesn't feel natural to me. And so I mask and hide mine because I don't have anybody that I can reach out and touch. And I, I know you get the same thing. I get the same thing because I speak out about mental health um, as well. And I've gotten so many DMs and texts and all over the emails and the people just like, man, what you said, what you've been through, I'm going through that currently. And it's like, it's hope. It's hope that, that, that even the people that they sometimes deem and put up on this pedestal that it is, um, it is, it is something that you can get over. It's not the end of the world. And, and it's a reminder to, to love on people. And, and one of the, you know, I'll, I'll talk for myself and speak for myself is, is for me, it was two years ago. I, I had the biggest breakdown that I've ever had in my life. And I talked about, um, I've said this many times before, but I talked about this machine and I, I considered myself a machine that I can just go and go and go and go with no repercussions, no feelings, no, no, no emotions, no vulnerability, uh, no rest, like nothing could ever break me because of the environment that I came from. And I was supposed to be this to so many people, right? You play football and now you're put on this pedestal as this Greek God and, and nothing breaks you, nothing hurts you. And you're able to do these things. And then you come to a point where you go, I'm not a machine. I, I'm, no, I'm actually a human with feelings and emotions and fears and angst and all these things. And, and, and I went through this period of time where I was in the darkest place I've ever been in my life. Never, at one point, never to the point where I was considering and thinking about suicide. And I've never been in that place, but I had come to that point where I broke. And it was, it was, it was great friends and family who helped pull me through it and where I found therapy. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And, and then being able to come from that point now, now I can sit here and say, I'm flawed. I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. I'm not this big, strong, mythical creature. I cry. I laugh. I get angry. I get frustrated. All those things come into play. But every single day, I just take it one day at a time. And I go, if I can win today, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. But today is about, you know, about winning. Yeah, there's like six places I want to jump in, but you were also rolling. I know. So I'm trying Sorry. to figure out which one to do. Because um, I think I think there's like so many different things when you go down the road that you're just going down there where it's like uh one of them is i'll go back to personal like uh playing a character or wearing a mask or trying to be what you think people want you to be or whatever i think a lot of times it's just a a massive and overwhelming desire to either fit in or meet expectations or whatever and in my case yeah like i've done radio now for i got hired in 2009 it's 23 so 13 14 years whatever and you just want to be likable. You want people to like you, mm -hmm. which means I'm the guy that, oh, we want to do some silly stunt? Cool, I'll do it. Oh, we're going to do something with listeners at an event? I'll get rip-roaring drunk. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to do all that stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy that does anything. Right. And it's because you're, you, just, you want to be liked, you want to fit in, you want to progress, you want people to notice you, you want all of these different things. Um, and obviously there's nothing really there. Like you're not achieving anything. You're not serving yourself in any way. But I also think that goes back, for a lot of people, that goes back to it's not necessarily even a, 
a work thing or whatever, I think naturally we're probably chameleons. Like we can, we can adapt as humans to situations, to different groups of people, and we can yeah. do those things. And it, it serves us in some ways. Um, and I think we can find the mask or the character that we play a lot of times in a family role, literally from the age of whatever, where you're playing a role that you don't know you're doing. And, you don't, and so I think it's hard to do, and I fail at it constantly. But like when you talk about seeing or meeting me for the first time, you're like, I don't know if I like, like now I reach, I've reached a point where I still do it and I still think it, where you'll meet somebody and you'd be like, ooh, they got a lot of work to do. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's not good. And I try now to balance it. I think it was a Brene Brown thing on a podcast where I heard She's it awesome was, too. and she tied faith into it and it was something about um, somebody that she was judging because the way that they acted or whatever was inappropriate and the question was like okay well are you a believer and she's like yeah and it was like okay what if I told you that like God comes down and just asks you what if I told you that they're trying their best mm. and it's like damn it but I want to but I don't like that person I want to <laughs> judge the hell out of them and it's like and then you realize it's like oh yeah and I've been in places where I've done things I shouldn't have and I've said things I shouldn't have and what if we did it's hard to do like gave everyone the benefit of the doubt that what if I told you they're doing the best they can just like you are and it's like crap but they suck <laughs> they really do though and it's like I, I want to change everything about them and it's like yeah and I don't know empathy I guess is a superpower that we all fail at at different times but it's yeah. also a cool thing to strive for no you're absolutely right man and um and I always want to tell you that I love you. I also want to tell you thank you for always being an advocate for others. And if you're watching this, just know that you got two people who are sitting up here um, who aren't perfect, uh, who go through a bunch of stuff. Stuff. <laughs> who go through a bunch of stuff, man. And, stuff. And, and, I talk and about it every Tuesday at 11 o'clock on a couch. <laughs> I'm, I'm Wednesday. I'm on Wednesday. Okay. So today's the Mental Health Wednesday for me. Um, but, you know, I, I want people to know that, that um, there, are, there are places for you. There are people for you. And, you know, we'll, we always say that, you know, man, shoot, hit us up at any point in time if you're ever having a moment. And I have people that do it to this day that will hit me up, DM me, and be like, yo, I'm just having a, I'm having a day. And I'll just be like, let's, let's talk through it, man. Let's do what we can. I'm, I'm no therapist, but I'm here to be um, a helping hand. So, man, I appreciate that uh, from you. Okay. All right. Now. All right. All right. We're done. We're done. It's over? Yeah. No, we're not. It's okay. not over. But we're going to talk about sports now. People are like, oh, the word is great, but let's, let's get to the sports part of this, man. And, you know, just for fun, we are going to talk sports, and that's why people clicked on it. But I promise you, he'll get more reaction and more people he meets in real life that are going to say that something in the first 10 minutes really <laughs> mattered to them and no one is going to come up and be like man i really loved what you said about <laughs> stefan gilmore nobody that's no. the thing i've learned yes when you become accidental or whatever accidentally a spokesperson in the mental health world is every listener that comes up to me and says that i have been important to them in some way mm -hmm. it ain't ever about sports. About sports. Vulnerability, man, is Ever. key. Vulnerability is key. I feel like I don't know people until I know their stuff. Like, if I don't know your stuff, you haven't really become a real person to me yet. The first time that you tell me about something that is a real struggle, that is a fear, that is a whatever, it's like, cool, now I can relate. Yeah. I can't relate when it's like, yeah, everything's perfect and it always is. And I'm like, that's not true, but okay. <laughs> It's nice to see you. Anyway, sport. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of want to go back, right? Like, you are, in, in, in your own right, when you start talking about um, 
draft coverage and um, cowboy content. You have taken on kind of this role and, and is kind of wearing the crown of kind of one of the uh, local draft experts. And you may not say, oh, I'm not a draft expert, but, you know, you, you've gotten a chance. Yeah. <laughs> But you've gotten a chance to really dive in. I, w- I want you to kind of just take me through, one, what was it? Because I love football. I'm into football. It, is, it has changed my life. It is my, it's a part of my life. I, I want no part to draft. Like, I'm just like, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm my favorite part. I'm good. Give me the roster fully built. <laughs> I'll break anything you want down. And don't even care. ask me about the backups. I, I don't care about like, I, like I'll. But you have found this place and this love for scouting this place and this love for drafting like kind of give us a rundown of where that came from uh who helped you in that how did it start and uh just all of it uh I think uh, the interest is probably God, thinking back I might have liked college football before I liked NFL football I was born and spent my first 10 years in St. Louis and I'm trying to think were the Rams even there and if they were, they obviously weren't good. Because as a very young kid, like I was a 49er fan because they were good. I was born in 1984. So when I cared about sports, probably started in 1988, 89, yeah. Joe Montana was playing. Yeah. And then Steve Young was playing. I moved to Dallas in 1994. And the Cowboys still had another Super Bowl to win. And I didn't celebrate it because I hadn't adopted them yet. I was a 49er fan. <laughs> so I don't have a Cowboys Super Bowl either. I have zero. Um, but I've always liked college football. Like uh, My favorite college football player of all time, if it's not Peter Wark, we share Peter Wark. We do. We do. It's Tommy Frazier. And that was like, I think, 95 Nebraska. Nebraska so like, yeah. I've, I've loved college football since I was 10, 11 years old, something like that. And I love the team-building part of sports. I think it's fascinating and awesome. Um, I love trying to guess the future. Because that's what the draft is. Yeah. Is you're trying to project and see where you disagree with other people who do the same thing and see which guys you like more and less. And uh, I've also found it's one of the easiest topics to talk about if you have multiple people who have watched the players. You could do a 12-hour draft show, and it's nothing. Right. It's nothing. Because you could accidentally spend 45 minutes on a guy. Right. And I don't. I, it's always been something that I really, really liked. And – as a young radio man, if you ever want to get into radio, don't. Don't. Um, don't. Like there are – your name has to be on the show. If you think that you're going to make a living in radio, <laughs> you, like our show name is a group name, but I, I do qualify. But you just think about it. I live in DFW. How many host jobs in radio are there total if you want to do talk radio? I don't know, 40? Good luck, which means you're going to spend a lot of time making 10 bucks an hour doing all the other crap and never really go anywhere and then decide, do I love this so much that I will keep being a part-time person making 10 bucks an hour, 20 hours a week, or am I going to go do something else? And I got lucky, so I guess I shouldn't say don't. Or you get fired. like no, I'm Or you get fired. You get fired. I made it through, so it happens, <laughs> and I don't know why it was me, honestly. Like, back then, I would have pretended that I was entitled to it in some way, but now it's like, I don't know. But sweet. Um, And I met people who 
even though I was making 10 bucks an hour and I didn't have a radio show, I worked at a radio station and I answered phones and I learned to hit the buttons. And so part of that became, we're going to teach you kind, not real engineering, but half-ass engineering, which meant that every day that Jason Garrett had a press conference out at Valley Ranch, I sat in the corner at a little table with this little board. And when the reporter is asking a question, there's a mic that's pointed at the crowd and I turn their mic up. And I would turn down the mic that was up at the podium where Coach was <laughs> so you could hear the question. And then when the question finished, I'd pull them down and push Coach up. But I was out there for every press conference. And there were a few people in DFW media that were really cool to me, even though I was – like, I was nobody. I was nothing. I was a dude sitting in the corner. But uh, the people who would stand out – Christy Scales was great to me. Love Christy. The retired Steve Dennis was great to me. Ah, Steve Dennis. Formerly of CBS yeah. 11, which if you just see him online or see the way he broadcast, you'd assume he'd be a jerk to everyone. Yeah, yeah. He was great to me. <laughs> Babe Loffenberg was great to me. Babe, yeah. And then Brian Broaddus was great to me. Mm -hmm. He was a former Cowboy Scout, and he was kind of like, I don't remember how it came up, but he was like, oh, you really like the draft. You want to do it right? I was like, yeah. 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 And he let me and Kevin Turner, my buddy KT, he snuck us into Valley Ranch five nights a week for three or four hours after working our job during the day. And he had what are called cut-ups from the team, the Cowboys, from their scouting department. And, boy, that makes scouting so much faster. Mm -hmm. So much faster. Because mm -hmm. now what I have to do is get the all-22 of a game, which I can still get from people. I got people. And I can watch the game, and you'll see a play from the – way up here view and then they'll go behind the line you'll see the play from that view and then you go on, and on boy if you have a team's cut-ups you can select a player and you can <laughs> say if it's a receiver or if it's a corner give me every play where they throw at him <laughs> done we've eliminated every play where he's not targeted right give me every play for this wide receiver from his longest completions to his shortest give me every touchdown give me every incompletion give me every you can do whatever you want it's amazing um and I played football through high school and until I flunked out of college. So, like, I know the game enough. Uh, and then you work with a guy who's a former scout and you kind of learn how to watch other positions and what you're looking for and all that. And I don't know. I just always thought it was a lot of fun. And, and the grading system, right? Because you have to grade these players and stuff like that. Like, how does the grading system work? Very – the word is subjective – because, I mean, there are people out there who use a number scale. Like, mm -hmm. there are people out there who think they've fine-tuned a position so much that they're like, okay, this is 40% of his grade, this is 50%, this is 10%, and I'm going to give him a number 1 through 10 at each thing. And mine is more based on, and I have seen some NFL teams, ways that they do it, and mine's the same kind of thing, where you're really grouping guys by um, a first-round pick is a guy that when I pick him, He's, he's, he's an NFL starter. He's starting. And then a second or third rounder is a guy that when I pick him, I'm, my grade is saying that dude's an NFL contributor tomorrow and will be a starter. So, like, that's my third linebacker. That's my fourth corner. That's my – and then the other once you get down to fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, you're kind of fine-tuning between – this guy's a backup. He'll play special teams. I really like this trait. You could develop him because, like, he's a bad defensive end. He is not good at football. But, boy, he runs a fast 10-yard split. He's strong. He's got long arms. Yeah. 
I could turn that into something, maybe. <laughs> and, yeah, it's all just based off of what do you think they're going to do in the NFL. And then you just group them that way, and then you put them in proper order in each round, and then you go pick them. And for, for time's sake, because like you said, we can get into this thing and be there for hours and hours and hours. But when you look at over the years, right, not 2009, you kind of got into the you know, radio. And then uh, let's just say 2012, you kind of really got into scouting and stuff, you know, like things of that nature. When it comes to the Cowboys, right, and you, and you look at how they've carried themselves throughout the draft over the last 10 or so years, would you say that this is a team overall who, who, who nails the draft, who has – kind of figure this draft things out? Because you have some teams, you're just like, boy, they get into the draft, they get what they need, when they need it, and those players actually come in and contribute right away and for a period of time. Ravens, when Ozzie Newsom was the GM, and probably still today, they were studs. They were studs at it. Yeah. Ozzie Newsom's a goat. Yeah. Um, Cowboys are really good at it. If you can find a team that's better than them over the last 10 or 12 years, it's a real short list. They're good at it mm-hmm. for the most part. They're really good at it when you let the dudes who do it do it. Cowboys also have a tendency to let coaches have big voices. And sometimes that's great. Yeah. And sometimes it's bad. <laughs> Dan Quinn has a big voice. Yeah. Sometimes that's good. And sometimes that is bad. Sometimes you trade up to the fifth round for a guy that probably wasn't going to get drafted because mm. he had long arms. Dan Quinn loves him some long arms. <laughs> I think Will McClay and their scouting staff are really, really good. And you're – You'll get a little bit hit or miss sometimes when coaches are involved. Like Will McClay will take the fall for it because he's a stand-up guy and a sweet man. Will McClay wasn't the one that said T.J. Watt can't lean forward and put his hand to touch the ground. (laughs) Rod Marinelli did. He's like, we can't take T.J. Watt over Taco Charlton because he's a stand-up guy. Scouts didn't say he can't. (sighs) Coach did. He was like, no, that's a stand-up guy. We're looking for a hand in the dirt. That's what we're looking for. But, no, overall, I mean, you can look at the list of over the last three years, five years, ten years, and go however you want to grade it, Pro Bowls, All Pros, whatever. Cowboys are right at the top. They're really, really good at it. You found a love in analytics, right? And, and you, you kind of – I like it. You like it a lot. I like it. You like it a lot. I'm, yes, a I lot. think that it definitely has value and that it's worth knowing and having that context in my sports conversations. Like I'm, I always say that I went to public high school and a public yeah. college. I'm not smart enough for analytics, so I don't, I don't kind of <laughs> dive into that space. But how much has analytics kind of changed sports? Because like, it's in everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's, in, it's in baseball. Yeah. It's in basketball. It's in, it's in every single sport. Well, it's it in, changed basketball. I mean, huge. They're like, hey, three is always greater than two. Take as many of those as you can. Threes and dunks. Yeah, threes and dunks. Like if you look at a plot chart or like a shot chart from um, both of those would have worked, so don't think I messed up. Uh, Pot or plot. Plot or shot. Either one of those charts. Like 25 years ago in the NBA, it's like the dots are everywhere. And then more recently, the dots are literally all around the three-point line and all around the rim. (laughs) It's like that's what we do uh, because they discovered, hey, these are the two most efficient places, which then, and here's the beauty of analytics, is eventually the teeter-totter just goes like this, and then somebody goes, what if we jumped on the other end? And then you find the great mid-range players, and defenses don't really know how to defend it because they're not used to it. And it's like, so there is a game to it. It's not like you're going to analytically, well, I mean, it can give you advantages for sure. Teams who initially were willing to go for it on fourth down because the math said, hey, if you do this ten times, you're likely going to convert it six or seven, and that's going to add this many points most likely, and you're going to do this. Like That has changed football, and now the Cowboys are actually at the forefront of it. The Cowboys are one of the teams that 
does it the most. My next question was going to be, what NFL team do you think is kind of the leader in the clubhouse of saying their offense and defensive mindset is you know, the foundation of a lot of it's built on? This is going to hurt me. Because one of the guys at the forefront, and they've failed a lot lately, and so it makes it look like if you wanted to be like, I hate analytics. Like Brandon Staley at the Chargers has been one of the guys that was like, okay, if that's what, like if that is what makes sense to do, we're going to do it. But they've also been an organization that hasn't drafted well, and they suck, and now they're not doing so good. And so now every fourth down that they don't make it, they're like, <laughs> there goes the genius. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think because there's a few teams. I think Minnesota now has a GM. I think it's Minnesota has a GM who like his background is numbers. Mm-hmm. He's a they're analytically driven. Whether it's the value of a draft pick in a certain round or uh, drafting by positions, like. The Cowboys have a department of it. They're definitely not at the forefront of implementing it in every way. Mike but they do it in the, some ways. Mike said he was in the garage many years ago. Yeah. He was working on that stuff in the garage uh, out there in Wisconsin. It was Canton. His fourth down stuff comes from somewhere. That's changed. Yeah. They do it a lot. Um, they have the crew and they have the information, but they're not – perfect with it because I would point to this year's draft which and I'm cheating a little bit and it's a little bit results based but I mean I documented who I would pick at the time and never in the first round would I have wanted them to pick a run stopping defensive tackle that's a needs based pick for a player that brings less value than any other position that's not special teams maybe Yeah. Uh, and in the second round a tight end where position value same thing where if if i if you miss and you pick the low value position and miss yeesh double win that's a double bad yeah (laughs) i understand if you missed on a freak athlete pass rusher because man if i hit that i've got von miller that's incredible but like most analytically driven teams will be more likely to pick the best available player at a premium position and uh, I'm trying to think, like, that's how the Eagles, like, they're like we're not passing on Jalen Carter right. because that's a defensive – that's a disruptor on the right. defensive line. And then with their next pick, it's like, we don't need edge rushers, but that Nolan Smith at Georgia is a freak athlete. You think we're not taking him? You're crazy. And that's how you end up getting the best players at the important positions is you pick them. You don't just – the Cowboys overreacted so bad to what they perceived as their needs. They picked a blocking tight end in the second round and a run stopper in the first round, and then it turned out that they didn't really need either of those things. That nobody to be really, really good. runs anymore, and you need a guy to yeah. pass. Like, and now you're winning because you can throw the ball and take the ball away, and you're so not the guy run stoppers. actually playing tight end. To so the but, tight end, yeah. yeah. But that's a, that's an, another story for another day. Let me ask you this: Had the league turned to a point where, because like draft picks used to be. Like a like a like a valued commodity, right? And then oh, they still are the price overvalued more than ever. Like Les Snead a couple years ago when he was with the with, with the Rams and they won the Super Bowl, and it was kind of like, man, f these picks. Yeah. And and now you're kind of starting to see more teams like, you know what? Let me take let 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 me gather the dudes who I know can play football. Like let me gather the veterans. Mm-hmm. Let me get those guys on my football team because honestly, if I get this, if I draft this guy and he's not ready to go right now. I don't even have as a head coach or a GM or anything, do I have three years to let this guy develop? Because they might fire me. So with draft picks, has that become a little bit more kind of like now, like, yeah, we need them, 
But if we're picking for the most part in the back half of the first round, it's like really like like f these picks, man. Let's go get the player and as Bill right now. Uh, I, I think draft picks are still gold because. In a salary cap league, there's just such a massive advantage to finding guys who are good that cost nothing mm-hmm. or very, very little. Um, like the Cowboys, they're getting to the end of it now, but getting cheap labor out of Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, and Trayvon Diggs, woo! That's how you can spend whatever you need to to fix the rest. Um, but there, it has reached a point where finally the Cowboys got involved in this game. Finally where teams, depending on where they are as a team and where a player is as a player or in his career arc or whatever, uh, you got to get Stephon Gilmore for a fifth-round pick because he's towards the end and he costs a bunch of money and we don't think we're really chasing a Super Bowl. And you're like, oh, I am. What's it going to cost? A fifth-round pick. Pew! Thanks. Do it twice every offseason. <laughs> I can do it. And they did. They did it twice. Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's – both of those things. And nowadays, I think if you go off of, like, you can find a draft point chart online. And is it right? No. But is it in the general ballpark? Kind of. Every team has their own now, all different ones. Because it turns out that most picks, depending where you are, are – because this is a math equation. Mm -hmm. What you do is you take, give me the history of the NFL draft – and give me um, the fifth overall picks and show me what their careers look like and give me the odds on this. Now, we can't just pick off that because that would be stupid because every year's different. Now, show me the players that we're talking about. And it's like you're, you're always playing this game, but it turns out that at different spots in those charts – Picks are overvalued, undervalued, whatever, and the smartest teams just take advantage of where teams are wrong, and that's what they do. Let's get more centralized and focus on the Cowboys. They're good. Okay. How good? That's a loaded question. How how good is this? I'm going to go to analytics on you, actually. Okay, that's fine. They're the second-best team in football. Okay, that's fine. And and the other team is? San Francisco. Great. Glad that you said that. San Francisco's a machine. I mean, look, (laughs) and – this is not your. I am also your allegiance to the Niners. No, no, no. Okay. I am All also. Right. I am also a watch the tape guy. So yeah. I am. I am the guy <laughs> who's torn between the two masters here because I will defend anybody who is using information and data to help their decision making. Be like, yes, that's smart. Um, and we also watch the teams play football. Yes. The numbers and what I and you have seen match up on the 49ers um one of the fun little nerd stats where they just try to all encompass everything that's happened and put a number on your offense and your defense uh it's called dvoa don't worry about it that's not what it stands for just don't worry about it yeah. <laughs> um says through 13 games or whatever mm-hmm. that san francisco is the seventh best team since they've had these numbers which is like 30 years or 40 years uh, and the six in front of them won the Super Bowl. San Francisco is an all-time team. When you just say this is how good their offense is, their defense is, their special teams are, add it up. And they're, I believe, two spots ahead of the best 90s Cowboys team. Mm. So they're awesome. Um, the Cowboys are awesome, too. This year, the Cowboys are a – not to crunch numbers on it, but they're still definitely a top three offense this year. And as of last week, they were a top three defense. 
Boy, top three and top three is a good way to win a Super Bowl. Does this quarterback, because there's been a lot of talk. You, you hear it on the national media all across the board, right? And, and I love how football is this fluid thing, right? Because earlier in the year it was, you know, same old Dak Prescott, not good enough, as Cam Newton would say, game manager. And then you saw kind of after the, after the bye, you saw this thing just take off. And one of the things that I, I, really stuck out to me was – was Aaron Rodgers, who uh, unprovoked, here we go, not asked, um, in one of his segments began to talk about how Dak Prescott was his favorite quarterback in the league, and that, yep. to me, that 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 resonated with me because Aaron Rodgers spent all of his career under Mike McCarthy, yeah, and learned the system, and you know, so what he sees in the office that the Cowboys run today is a lot of what he's already been through. And now when you, when you see him talk about Dak, he goes, he's my favorite quarterback to watch right now. When not asked about Dak, when not even being asked about Dak Prescott, that tells me that does, did Aaron Rodgers see kind of a little bit of himself saying, the light bulb went off. The light bulb, no, no, no. I, I know this. I know this mode right here. That whatever, whatever Super Saiyan mode he's in right now, I remember 10 years ago when it finally clicked for me and – this dude is doing some things right now that is pretty special. Is, is Dak, has Dak come to that point now where we can say he's good enough to take us all the way? Oh, for sure. For like, sure. Like all the way. Like I think for years he's been good enough to win the Super Bowl, but I also think Tony Romo was, right? But it doesn't matter. You don't get to win the Super Bowl just because your quarterback's good enough to win the Super Bowl. Now is your defense better than that defense is in But there are some, but there are some intangibles, though, right? Like there are some things I, where – if because I you, think Dak's way different this year, and I think that there's a very tangible reason. And like I've always thought Dak is a. Are you gonna tell us the tangible yeah. reason? Or you yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm gonna tell you. Oh, okay. And because right. I think I just they want to make sure we I, got the tangible reason. Because they got like they. I think they said it. I forgot what game it was on the broadcast where they were like where they were talking about Dak explaining how they're playing now and how he's playing the position. And it was like he wasn't explaining it. Like he was preaching it. Like I can't believe everyone else isn't doing this. You have to do this. It's how you get good. It, you'll you'll be amazing. You have to do this. And it sounds so simple. That first hearing about it, I was just like, well, yeah, everybody counts their steps, and everybody does a three-step drop or a five-step drop, and then you're supposed to throw it. But I think it's been that easy, that they've married the scheme to Dak where the things that he's doing, it's just that it's, um, it's muscle memory, where now he knows for a fact on every play that when this foot hits the ground, I'm throwing to him. And if that ain't right, that's cool because this foot's going to hit the ground and then I'm throwing to him. And if not, that's cool because then this foot hits the ground and I'm throwing to him. And if not, I'm seeing which A or B gap I can move through the end. Sound like what they're doing over in uh, Santa Clara. Yeah. <laughs> it's just making the it's game as easy as you possibly can right. for a guy who was always good. And now the guy who was always good feels like he has the answers to the test on every single play. And I'm just, I, I just think about all of the other offenses in football, and I'm like, how is that not always the thing? I know at the top of my three-step drop I'm supposed to be throwing a slant, but if not, then I'm just going to start going, wee! And it's just like, it should always be bang, 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 shoo! I think sometimes we, we when you're around coaches and you've been in a couple systems, you realize, like, there's a lot of stubbornness in professional sports, in any sport. 
Like these coaches who are married to a certain system or thought process oh, yeah. or scheme, like they carry that with them as like this is this is my skin. And it's so dumb. And <laughs> and it's like change. Why would I change? You talked about Rod Manelli early on saying, so you will pass up a really good player, like a generational player, what we now know T.J. Watt is, just because of some our measurements? No, no, not our, not our measurements. You know, or, he played standing or up. He played standing he up. He didn't put his hand on the Right, so it's, it, and that, that's something that he's carried with him. Like that has been a part of every single team, defensive team that he's been able or allowed to build. Right. And it's, it's flawed in every which way because it's like, but are we going to negate the productivity? Like are we just completely negating the productivity at all? You know, and, and so you say that and you go like, how oh, this is so simple. Why is everybody not doing it? And I think it's because of the stubbornness that we see a lot of times um, across the league. Yeah, and I guess that it is. It's it has to be an oversimplification. But just seeing them play, and then seeing the way that Dak talks about it, he feels differently about the player he is. Like he feels like, oh, wow, this is it. This is how you quarterback. How did I not know? And it just – he feels like this is so much different and like a cheat code, and now you're playing like an MVP candidate, so I'm not going to argue with him. Is the window wide open for the Cowboys? Is it closing? Like, Because there, there is an expiration on this, right? There comes a point in time where you talked about cheap labor. And right draft. <laughs> like who's next, right? You got you to do you, – you, you essentially are about to have a quarterback that's due for a new deal. Yep. You're about to have to pay a dude who's going to be the highest paid defensive player yep. in the league. Number one wide receiver. A number one wide receiver. And then you add it, you sprinkle in wherever else you want to have, you know, add pieces to this mix. Diggs got some money. Is this a team right now that says, you know what, we got about a year. Like this year has to be the year or that window is closed? Because every single year, right, like a, the team that was on the cusp last year yeah. will get better, you hope. Right? Like sooner or later, the Giants and Washington in the NFC East are, are going to get better, you think, you hope, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but, right, so, like, every maybe. single year you look at it and you say, all right, this clock is ticking for the Cowboys, and they've had, they have, they've had the quarterback, they've had weapons, they've had coaches, they've had all the opportunities in the world, but they've come up short. How much longer do you believe the window is for the Cowboys? If Dak keeps playing the way he has played in 2023 – until he doesn't. But I think there are obviously wild cards in that. And I think the biggest wild card is you got to tell me how does the offensive line work itself out in the next two years? Because just think if Tyron retires and Zach retires, you have one good offensive lineman? Yeah. One? Tyler Smith? Bowser's okay. Steele's been pretty good before, but he isn't right now. But that's been his career trajectory, right? It's up, it's down, it's up. It's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad. You pay him, it's bad. Hopefully he gets back up to good. But he's always – like he's one of those guys that is – him and Michael Gallup were the guys that I I firmly believe the reason they got paid despite the fact that they blew out their knees is if Garrett were still here, they'd be called the right kind of guy. Like Steele and Gallup are first in, last out, work super hard. We like you. That's why you get paid. Mm -hmm. And that's why we got rid of Amari Cooper because we don't like you. It's not about (laughs) who's good. It's about do do we like you. Um, and so, I don't know, part of me, but hell, we're a long way removed now, but part of me is just like, oh, Steele, just coming off the ACL, he's not actually back back. 
but hell, we should be back by now. I got um, to be honest Duke with Duke Mannyweather, who works with some Cowboy offensive linemen, thinks they're teaching some things they shouldn't be teaching in the offensive line room, I believe. But their offensive line, it's you got to tell me what does it look like in two years because I don't know. Two years? What about in a year? I, I would assume Zach plays another year of football. Okay. Um, gosh, on the top of my head, I actually don't know when Tyron's deal is up. I bet he's under contract again, but cuttable. But do you want to cut him the way he's playing now? Tyron's playing great football. You just never make him practice ever, ever again. Because <laughs> uh, if you tell me that you're going to have but, okay, Tyron so, on the field and Zach and Tyler, but you know that you're, you're not. Fine. But you know that you're going to miss Tyron for at least four to five games. Hey, he's playing. Like you, but but in the time that he missed. Right? What happened? You dropped the game to Arizona, which now essentially is the reason why probably you're probably going to be the wild, your wild card. And that's, and that's kind of my, my – Tommy DeVito can take down the Eagles okay. after the Seahawks. Beat okay, them. okay. Um, and that's kind of my thing. It's like Dak is playing MVP-level football, mm-hmm. right? And they still f- might find themselves in the wild card. You're going to hate this. Analytics. It's bad luck. It's bad luck. <laughs> the Eagles are probably the seventh or eighth best team in football. And they're not better than Dallas. And, like, they've played twice, and one could have gone either way, and Philly had all the luck in the world fumbling three times. They fell on them all. They had the flag luck. They had all the luck in the world, and they barely beat the Cowboys, and then they got smoked by the Cowboys. And on the season, they're plus 20 in point differential. The Eagles should be 7-6, and 8-5. and five. That's what they should be. But every one score game has landed heads for them, every one of them, which is what happened to the Vikings last year. Vikings weren't good. They won 13 games because it landed heads in every close game. And they were never going to win the Super Bowl. And the Eagles are probably better than that. But bad luck. Or, Jesus, you lost to Arizona? I mean, either one of those works. But the Eagles, they're not a 10-3 team. All right, so let's get you out of here on on this. Um, This guy, man, we got a a steak dinner on on whatever. Anyway. Oh, I'm late for something anyway. Uh Uh-oh. But Uh, I don't care. Have a great time. No, (laughs) <laughs> Let's uh, we, we get in those Cowboys take on the Buffalo Bills this week. Uh, big game for the Cowboys. They're a different team at home than they are on the road. 40 points at home, 24 points on the road. Analytics again, Bills are better than the Eagles, too. I'm glad you said that because I was going to go to that point. Like when you turn on the tape of the Buffalo Bills, you're like, this isn't a seven and six football team. No, but record says, yeah, you're seven and six. You know why? Most of theirs have landed tails this year. They've lost close games, yeah. and there's luck in that. So the Cowboys heading into this game, where, where are the Cowboys' advantages going up against this Buffalo defense, and then what are the advantages you know, going up against their offense? Uh, I think you have or to disadvantages out- or whatever yeah, you want to go I, with. It. I think you have to outscore them. Um, I think Buffalo is a team that you can run on. But I also think it's just it's a matter of you have to outscore them. Like Buffalo has an offense that's up to the task the same as yours is. Um, they have a quarterback that can make plays Dallas quarterback can't make, but he'll also attempt to make those plays, which can lead to a couple of picks for the Cowboys. Um, no, they're they're a really good offensive team with a great number one receiver, a really good quarterback, running backs got juice. Uh, their defense is average, mm-hmm. so. The hard part is the answer is go outscore them, hang 35 and see if they can. Uh, it's just a little harder to do when it's 40 degrees and windy. But I think it'll be a good game. I think it's going to be a 27-24 game. You can pick your winner. I'll take the Cowboys just because I want to I want to see if Philly can lose to Seattle this weekend. <laughs> and I want life to get really, really fun. 
but you're watching you're watching the Josh Allen teeter totter, and when Josh Allen's on, and using his legs, they can hang thirty on you. So just hang thirty three. Don't worry about it. All right, let's just I'm gonna run through this and then we'll be done. Best quarterback in the National Football League right now. Uh, Pat Mahomes by a hundred. Best receiver in the league. Tyreek Hill by a hundred. Best running back in the league, who I know that you hate. The best runner is Nick Chubb, but he's out for the season. Well, he's um, not in the league right now. McCaffrey? Okay. Who would you? Th- who do I hate? The running backs. Oh, all of them. Okay, all I thought you them. had a guy in no, mind. No, no, you hate yeah, I guess group. I mean, I'd have to think about that one, but I'd probably McCaffrey. Best tight end in the league. Um, it's not Kelsey. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on one? Mark Andrews is in the mix. He's hurt. Um, Kittle's really good. Kelsey, who's the one I'm missing? I'm missing a giant one. Not Evan Ingram. No, God, no. Who's the big one I'm missing? Why am I doing a football blank right now? I'll say Mark Andrews and then come back around. Ferg? Ferg. <laughs> Goddard's really good, too. But um, I'm missing one of the big names. Best... Pass rusher in the league. Michael Parsons. Okay. Best DB? Oh, best DB. Sauce? No. Mm. Sertan? No. Ramsey's aging out of it. <laughs> I don't know. Damn it. Because, like, that's... That's things that you do in a radio segment where you're like, all right, we got to burn a segment. Like, I'm going to do all the top whatevers. And so I don't even think about it. Yeah. Um, if you gave me five minutes to just p- pull up the names of them all, I could pluck the one that I think is the best. And I'm just drawing blanks. Coaching football. Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, <laughs> Shanahan. Okay. Okay. He comes from the tree. So, like, they're yeah. all. They're all connected by the by If by you're the hiring a guy that doesn't know, know one of them, yeah. hadn't met one of them, had <laughs> coffee, something, I'll hire Kyle Shanahan's gardener. Cowboys win the Super Bowl this year, yes or no? No. That's just an odds thing. No. The odds could have went the other way. You Don't, don't say no. The favorite is thing. the 49ers. The second favorite might be the Cowboys. But then you're telling me, do you think the favorite's going to do it or one of the rest of the teams or the team with the second best chance? So you're taking someone else against the field. Not, uh, I might. If you tell me they're healthy, I, would, I think I would take 49ers against the field. And I don't want to because I do think the Cowboys are the second best team in football. If the Cowboys were in the AFC, I'd pick them to go to the Super Bowl and I'd be very confident. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm late for a work thing that has corporate people involved, and I'm going to get fired for not being there tell six everybody, months ago. Tell everybody where uh, they can find you at, and maybe because you might get fired for doing this with me and not being there, but That's tell true. everybody where you can find you And at. we're in my work building, yeah. and it took us into a secret room that yeah. we're not in. Um, <laughs> I'm on 97 when The Freak and DFW on the radio from 2 to 6 p.m. with Mike Reiner and Julie Dobbs and Groobs. Um, our show is called The Speakeasy. You can find it on the iHeartRadio app. I am Jeff Cavanaugh. I'm on all the social medias. Time for Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, on Instagram and X, Twitter X, Z, Tweet. Uh, and I'm on YouTube, Jeff Cavanaugh. I do a show with him. And sometimes I just turn it on by myself and go live. Yeah, we do a show called Believe in the Cowboys, man. Thank you, brother. Of course. Appreciate you, man. Love you. I love you. Yeah. Don't say, hey, say the I. I love you. I love you. I, I can't just say love you? 
It's not the same. Okay. I love I, I I want all of you to know it's, I, it's not the same. I yeah. love you. Yeah. Love right. you is a very casual version. I love you. My grandmother used to more. say, but like, uh, me too. I'm like, ah, oh, that's fake. Yeah. That's fake. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too is fake. If they hit you with the me too, that's fake. It's a different generation. Uh, I, Our generation oh, yeah, has yeah. enough things that cause yeah. anxiety and depression <laughs> and all the mental health things. So one thing that we are going to do is we're going to express our emotions and our needs and our wants so that we can at least have a fighting effing chance. That's what we're going to do. There you go. All right, man, I'm out of here. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their lives are better than yours because it's your life. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.